Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So we're doing this new series, and there's a guy called Mark Isles. If you were to go to the office upstairs, you'll see on the wall there's two prophecies. One's by Graham Cook, one's by Mark Isles. They used to work together. And um, Mark gave this incredibly detailed prophecy. Uh, and as part of that, he said there's three things that are going to happen at Ivy over the years. This is before I came. And if you look at it, it talks about how this is going to be a place where there's going to be, um, it's going to be a church that, that, in, that holds keys. There's keys that God has given for the city that are, are in this church. It, it's a, he said it's a gateway kind of key opening church. He said there's going to be um, lots of women that get released in and through and from this church and that many of the women in this church will go on and have ministries of way bigger impact than any of the men. And then, and finally he said, and God's going to plan out from this church, this will be like a, a, a hub and from here, other sites, five other sites will be planted out, I think he said, and then God will give you another building that will be so big, so amazing, now, interestingly, we've got that. The reason we call this Ivy Central, this isn't a, 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 this isn't a church like the other ones, if you like. This is one where we come together as a hub and, and we, we learn together and, we, and, and a chance for me, maybe one or two others, to be able to impart out into the other sites what we feel God's saying to all of them. So this, this is like the central hub this place and from here we've planted out in all these different ways and it's interesting as you look back we just did this recently we, we gathered together as elders here one Sunday uh, afternoon recently and we read those without a word of prophecy and it was like oh yeah tick 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 God did that and it's amazing and I contacted Mark a year ago just over a year ago and said to him could you come back and spend some time with us he came and did a day with us and I said about the word do you remember and he said oh yeah I remember that word he said I remember at the time he says it, it didn't feel like it landed well it didn't feel like people really wanted to hear that word some people in the room at the time he said I remember that and I also remember that on the way out I got done by a speed camera which must have been on Princess Road. He said, so it wasn't a particularly a positive experience for him bringing that prophetic word. Um, but he has now produced this uh, training booklet, which I've got here, School of Prophecy, something that he does, called Developing Your Prophetic Gifting. And he sent me a copy very kindly, as like, uh, here's something I'm doing, and could you have a look at it, and what do you think? And I looked, I thought, it's really good. And so I'm going to, in the next weeks, and it might be quite a while, start to look at some stuff from this I'm not just going to read it and do the course but I am pretty much going to stick to the, the content and it might be that I don't like this is like session one I might not get through all of session one um, if it looks like people fall asleep or whatever then I might either prod you or stop so watch out it could be either um, but I also if we're teaching about prophetic I don't want to just read that I want to be saying, what's God saying now? What's God saying here? What's God saying to us? Because that's the essence of it. Otherwise, we're just reading stuff. And um, again, when I was praying, uh, when I was thinking this through, to, tonight, the introduction 
to it is all about the battlefield of the mind. And some of you might remember, I did a talk on this just about a month ago, funnily enough. And, uh, and maybe it's something important that God wants us to get. Because before you can hear God, you have to learn to listen and think, well, is that God? Or is that another voice? So the process of prophetic stuff is so linked with the idea of discernment. And the recognition that the battlefield is in here. This is the place where, where we, we have to learn to discern. Because not every voice is going to be God's voice to us. And if we think it is, we're going to be in trouble. So I was, And what came to mind was, was in Luke chapter 4. I'll just read it. The temptation of Jesus, very familiar. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He'd just been baptised at the Jordan River and he's full of the Holy Spirit. So this is, he's not done anything bad. We know he's Jesus. He wouldn't do anything bad. And he's full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? yeah. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, I want to be led by the Spirit. What about if he leads you into a desert? What about if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you into somewhere that you feel is nice? Any good? Still want to go? Oh, no, I don't want to be led into nice places, please. Well, what about if he leads you into a place where you go and you find out you're being tempted by the devil? For 40 days, which is like a little bit longer than a month. According to my maths, quite a long time. To be in a wilderness, especially when you don't eat. He ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, which is an understatement. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed it to him. All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with, your, with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You know the devil knows the Bible. So just somebody, because somebody comes to you and gives you a Bible verse doesn't mean it's from God. All right to say that? Yeah. I've got a word for you. Have you? It's from the Bible, is it? Check the postmark. Check who's delivering it. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say. See, we've got to come to the point when you don't just know what the Bible says, but you know what the Bible also says. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> yeah? Because somebody can come with this, but you can go, ah, oh, but that doesn't tie in with that. Jesus responded to the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He left him until. It wasn't like now he was done. Because this is a battle. And it's also a war. Yeah. We're in a war, not just a battle. It'd be easy if it was just a battle. 
But a war lasts longer than just a battle. So the truth is in conflict here with the lies. And the enemy is the father of lies. We're going to hear that. So we have to learn to discern. The, the truth is a chapter before. Where did Jesus, where was Jesus? We heard the clue before, just before this happened. He's been baptized in the Jordan. The baptism in Jordan. One day when crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. It's verse 21 of chapter 3. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Somebody said, if you want to see the Trinity, go to the Jordan. Because there you're going to see the Son identifying with us in sin by getting into the water. You're going to see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then you're going to hear the Father speaking. And what does the Father say to the Son? He says the truth. He says, you, so he's talking personally, are my beloved, my Son. And I'm really pleased with you. That is the truth that carried Jesus through the whole of his life and ministry. That is the truth that will continually be attacked by the enemy in your life. In all those other, all those temptations are the temptation to disbelieve that truth about you. They are, they're all different versions of you are not loved. You are not God's child. And even if you were, he's not pleased with you. You can't trust him. He can't trust you. Which in a way makes it easy to be able to discern whether the voice that comes to me, whether the prophecy that comes to me, whether the word of scripture that somebody gives to me is true or lie. I could finish there, but I won't because I've only just got started. And we need to look at what Mark Isles said. Because he talks about the primary battlefield is being our mind and he actually says he's been involved over the years in lots of construction and he says that uh, in the construction of a new building you have to recognise that you get a fence around the building and then you make it a hard hat area you can't just go on there without a hard hat area and when God wants to build something new he puts protection around it and then he says put the helmet on and there's health and safety procedures and he said in this sense in God wants to build something new in you God wants to build something new in Ivy he, he, he wants us to beware and be aware of that have a hard hat area going on because the main battle of life takes place in our minds. There's that famous verse in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I remember with the kids years ago saying that verse to them. 
and they're in the back of the car, one of them says, so is he what? I'm like, no, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. They're like, yeah, so is he what? Yeah, they didn't get it. What it means is, next slide, I think. Oh no, I didn't put it on. Maybe I didn't say one. Basically, you are who you think you are. So you better watch how you think because you'll be how you think. You are how you think you are, not just who you think you are. So we have to change and we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's process of renewing our minds, which basically means exchanging and changing them, changing the old for new. And the attacks in our minds are going to target fundamental areas of our lives. They're going to attack our identity in Christ, our intimacy with the Holy Spirit and our inheritance through the Father. That's where the attacks are always going to come. They're the same attacks that came to Jesus. They are in our identity, our intimacy and our inheritance because the enemy doesn't want us to have any of those. And so we'll end up going into doubts which just gets us going round and round in circles or the paralysis of analysis as they call it where you just can't do anything because you're always just thinking about all the other things that you could do and the primary weapon that the enemy uses to keep us stuck and moving back are lies and lies are anti-truth that's all they are the opposite of truth or not quite the opposite of truth, but a bit of untruth mixed in with the truth or some misinformation and some falsehoods. And if we believe a lie, it creates a doorway through which the enemy can come and deliver more deception. And, and he says in here, there's a little line, he says, in, to create giants. And I was reading this morning, just we started on a new Bible in the year thing, and it was talking about Noah. And before Noah, you had this thing whereby the, 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 the Nephilim came. And it's this strange thing of these, these giants that were in the land. And how, as a result of them being in the land, all kinds of corruption came to the land. And then later on, you think they've all been gotten rid of, but they haven't got been gotten rid of because when Joshua and Caleb come to Canaan, and they and they come together with these other spies, and they say, "Tell us what the land was like." They said, "Well, the land was brilliant, but there's a problem. The problem is there are giants in the land." So the promised land that God wants us to inherit, the problem it can be that there's giants in there. And I think this is the promised land. Now, this is where, and we can end up with giants that fight against God, that need to, and we've got to go in and possess those places. We've got to possess our inheritance. We've got to possess our identity and we have to root out the giants for that to be able to take place. And, you know, Joshua had to go in. Caleb had to go in and fight for that. It wasn't, God didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'll give it to you. He said, you've got to go in and fight. There's ways for us to be able to go in and, and deal with the giants. And some of these giants, they're, they're just liars. And they, 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 they want to come and challenge God's truth. They want to say, well, that might be true, but it doesn't, it's not true for you. Or it's not true now. Or it's not true in this circumstance. Or it's not true at all. 
And they want, to, they want us to get, they always want to get us in fear. Giants always want to scare us, don't they? Yeah. They just want to shout like, they, like, they, like Goliath did at, at David. This is what, who are you to come and think you can attack me? Who are you to stand in, in front of me? And they want to feed our fears. And they want to undermine the truth. And these giants also, they want to build strongholds in our lives, in our minds. They want to have a place there that, that they can defend and stop God advancing. And they, those can end up, you know, a giant can build a nice stronghold called an addiction or an unhealed hurt or um, a grudge. Have a really nice grudge stronghold that you can have a giant living in. And they, they can build them really strong. Lies breed giants. See, when we get saved, we get saved by grace and we live by grace. But these lies want to build strongholds in our lives to undermine and disable the truth about God's grace. So we have to learn to distinguish, to discern between lies by changing the way that we think. And the way that we have to do this is we have to know our enemy. There's, there's all kinds of accusations. The, the enemy always, he came to Jesus with accusations and he comes to us with accusations. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. That's in Revelation 12, verse 10. Day and night, he never stops accusing, it says. He's always accusing. And his name also means the adversary. Jesus referred to him as our enemy. And the Bible says, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come so you can have life in all its fullness, but you've got an enemy and he always wants to kill, steal and destroy. We're going to come back to that. That's what he always wants to do. He wants to do the opposite of what Jesus wants, which is to give us life in all of abundance. Jesus said he's a murderer. He said when he, when he speaks lies, he's just talking his native language. He can't speak anything other than lies. And those could be half-truths. They could be quoting the Bible. But he's a liar. And you can't trust a thing he says. He wants to deceive us. He wants to lead us astray from God's will for our lives. So we have to get to grips with this fact that there are different sources for the thoughts in our minds. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Don't believe everything you think because it isn't necessarily your thought. We have to recognise these different sources in our lives. But the problem is, how do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's me? How do I know if it's the enemy? Because they all sound like me. I have these three voices going on in my head, but how do I pick out which one is, is me when they all sound like myself? So there's three voices. Am I saying you're hearing voices? Yes. <laughs> there's your soul, which is me. But it's not all of me, because I'm not just a soul. Your soul is linked with your body. So your soul is your suitcase, what you get psychology from. It's how you think. It's also linked with your physicality, your body. How I feel affects how I think, doesn't it? 
if my, if my body feels sick, I think, Ugh. you know? So a way to change how we think sometimes is to change our physicality. Those things can be linked. Then I have another voice that is my, the enemy, which is not me. And we have an enemy before we become a Christian and when we become a Christian. He doesn't stop hating us. He's just when you become a Christian, now he, he recognises, well, I, might, I really need to bring you down and bring as many people down with you as I possibly can. And then there's this other voice, which is your spirit. No, it doesn't say it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to my spirit. My spirit has to get used to hearing the Holy Spirit. So just because I hear something in here doesn't mean it's necessarily the Holy Spirit. I've got to get used to listening to that voice, which sounds like a still small voice, and and it's inside in here. And sometimes it's indistinguishable from it, but we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The day we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside of us. And if we learn to listen to him, we discern his voice. I love all the R.T. Kendall stuff on the Holy Spirit. You ever get a chance to read what he talks about? You know, he says the Holy Spirit, it's interesting, Jesus said he came like a dove. He says he's a dove, not a pigeon. <laughs> See, pigeons will just come if you put some breadcrumbs out. But doves are easily frightened away. Jesus said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed. It's like the Holy I can, I can grieve the Holy Spirit and it's like he'll go, oh, you don't want to hear from me then, do you? It's like he wants to be our friend. And if you've got a friend who never listens to you. So the spirit of me connects with the spirit in me. And I want to learn, and I think the journey of prophecy is learning how to let the Holy Spirit speak to the spirit in me. And then... He can speak through me to other people. If it's appropriate. If it's not just to pray about. Because not everything that he gives me is necessarily for me to give to anybody. Sometimes it's just, he's just showing me some stuff because he likes to show me stuff. But the lies degrade, displace and replace the truth in our lives if we let them. They want to do They want to replace the genuine truths in our lives with false truths that we start to believe. And then because they're false, we start to act as if they're true. Lies want to turn our faith into fear. See, there's there's consequences of the power of lies. First, they want to replace the true with the false. Then they want to turn the faith into fear. Then they want us to make bad decisions based upon believing a lie. So if you have somebody who, and this goes on to the next one, uh, if you had a driving instructor, actually a ridiculous idea, a driving instructor who hated you and wanted to kill you, and he told you, Green lights mean stop. Red lights mean go. All he'd have to do is wait for that lie to be worked out in your life for you to be destroyed. This is the power of us recognising where's the source of that information. 
the enemy ultimately always wants us to become self-harming in different ways. Sometimes it's obvious because people are cutting or something like that. You look at those times when somebody, the scripture talks about somebody being, having some sort of demonic oppression. They always end up sitting in a graveyard somewhere and cutting themselves and self-harming. He hates us. He wants us to harm ourselves. So there's three great lies that we see Jesus encountered and we'll encounter these three great lies too. The first great lie and the source of all kinds of variations says, go on, be all right. Won't do any harm, it's only a little thing. Everybody else is doing it. It's fun. That's the steel lie. It's like little thin end of the wedge. You can do it this once. Just do it once. Be all right. Eat the apple from the tree. Looks good. Tastes good. Bet. Go on, have a go. Make you like. Make you wise. The devil challenged Jesus' identity and then said, why don't you turn this stone into bread? That'll prove you're the son. Jesus never had to prove that he was the son. His father had told him. He had to believe that he was the son. Second great lie, and again the DNA of lots of others, variations, is this whisper that says, You'll never be any good. You're a failure. You're doomed to fail. You're always going to mess up. That's the kill lie. It kills hope, kills trust, kills identity. It says there's a shortcut, there's another way. That, that won't work anyway. Try this way. This will get you the same result in the end anyway. Why don't you bow down and worship me? I'll give you all these kingdoms. The third one, the final great lie, with all of its variations, comes to you at an opportune moment and says... Nobody loves you. Nobody really, not really, they don't really love you. Nobody really cares about you. That's the destroy lie that wants to destroy your self-worth, your sense of belonging, your sense of family. It wants to get you isolated. It wants to leave you sitting in the corner saying, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll go and eat worms. And... And the devil returned to questioning Jesus' identity by using his current circumstances to prove God doesn't love you. What are you doing here? Why don't you, you, know, you, can, go to, you can go to Jerusalem, you can go wherever you want, you can do. And the common feature of these lies is that they all test our knowledge and belief in God and in his love for us. And we have to learn to grow to recognise these lies and respond to them as such. Because just knowing these are lies doesn't help if you believe them. You've got to reject them. 
And we can read all we want and read all the Bible we want and say all the stuff that we want. But if when these lies come, we go, oh, I don't really believe that, but man, I was such a loser. We just believed it. And that's why we have to reject the lie and replace with truth. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just reject the liar. He replaced with truth from scripture. Not just his own truth, not just his own thoughts, but with what God said, with what the Bible said, and what God also said, if needs be. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, when I was just at the WTC thing, which we just, some of us were at, which was amazing. There was a great guy called Stephen Backhouse, and he said this thing about the Jews. When you read the Jews, he said, he said that's, it's not Jewish people. He said, it's, there's a particular group of people who the scripture, the New Testament, were called the Jews, who were like the good people who followed the ways of the temple. Some of them were Pharisees, some of them were Sadducees, some of them were, were just good religious people. The people who lived in and around Jerusalem and could get to the temple when they needed to. And so the Jews were the people who ended up rejecting Jesus. But some of them didn't. There were some who believed him. And to those good people who believed him, Jesus had a word to say. If you abide in my word, you've got to live in it. You've got to live out of it. If you abide in my word, not just if you don't disagree with it. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's like that's, there's conditions on truth setting you free, it would appear. We've got to abide in it. You've got to abide in the word. You've got to live in the truth of the word. How do we do that? We're nearly finished. The Bible talks about the armour of God. It says that the whole purpose of the armour of God is so that you can stand your ground. You know, the, it says the gospel, the, the things on your feet are shod so that you can stand your ground. Roman soldiers would have had spiked sandals so they could dig in and stand their ground. And in Ephesians, when it talks about this, it says, so having done all, you've got to stand. Stand your ground. Don't be pushed back. Hold on to the ground. Dig in to the inheritance that Christ has won for you. We've got to learn how to do this. And we will next week. Should we stand? And then Tina's going to come and... Um, Leads in some worship with the band. Hmm? 10, 15 minutes. Lord, we don't want to just have this stuff um, wash over us, fill up some notes. We want to embed this into our lives. So, Lord, we pray now that you would come and, and root out, even in worship times now, some of those giants, some of those strongholds. It happens, Lord, when we invite you to invade again our hearts and our mind and our soul, Lord. When we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our spirits and confirm your word 
to us. And Lord, that you would be dealing with those lies of the enemy that, that say that we're, we're not enough and we're not loved and you're not even our father. And we're orphans and we're abandoned and we're, we're forgotten and we're, not, we're unloved. All those, all those lies, which maybe don't come now, but when the next time they come, Lord, the opportunity comes for the enemy to bring them. I pray that you would raise up your truth in us. That, we, that right now we find it easy to remember, easy to sing about. Lord, but let it be that, that something that sets up a garrison in our minds and in our hearts and a guard. And we pray, Lord, that we would come against, that you would come against those giants and help us to be able to see them come tumbling down. Just think, what is it? Is, is there one of them recently that's been mostly coming at you? The, the enemy wants to kill, steal, destroy. Maybe it's been all three. Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life. Abundantly, abundantly. Full. He's got full life for us. So Lord, I pray now as we worship you, we would just cooperate with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, to us. Confirm your word in our lives. Move through. Smash down those strongholds. We give you, we just ask Holy Spirit that you'd move your, you to move in me. Thank you for the power of your word to push back the enemy, to defeat him. Lord, you said resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.